socially distanced, of course. We would appreciate that as the time. In fact, we're a few minutes uh, late in getting started, so we welcome all of you to the services this morning at the West Irwin Church of Christ. You know, I tried this last time. I want to do it again. I know we can't hug one another and shake hands, but would you please stand? I want you to pick out a brother or sister that you think a lot of and let them know you're glad they're here. Please stand and greet one another.
morning, church. Welcome to the services here on the Lord's Day at West Irwin. All those that are online, we are glad that you could join us this morning. I have a few things to update that were in the bulletin, but of special concern was that Billy Terrell lost his brother, uh, Johnny, this past week, and the services were held Friday, and our condolences go out to, to Billy and his family for that. And that Mary June Goodson went to the rehab center on on Grande Thursday night. She's expected to be there for two weeks. So those are the two most recent updates to that. If you look at the at the app or your bulletin, you will find some other things of concern about our church family. Well, it's December already. Whew. Everybody knows why I get up here in December because. They, they kind of, Tom Sawyer, me, I'm up here having to paint, whitewash the fence, you know. They said, oh, that's what you need to do. I thought, okay, here I am. 2020 has been a very difficult year. We started out this year with a great vision at our church of a lot of things that we were going to do to, to spread the gospel here locally around the world. And then a pandemic hit. And then we had more hurricanes than I can count on my fingers and toes. And then we had cities in flames. And we've got an election that's still technically undecided. We had a lot of decisions as elders of this church when we closed this church this spring. Our attendance, of course, is not recovered. Neither has our contributions. So we had to do something because we saw what was coming on an income level because a lot of our expenses here at this church are fixed. So we had several options. We could follow the example of our quote unquote leaders in Washington, D.C. I use that term very loosely because there's a lot of names I could use for them, but leaders would not be one of those. Because what we could do is we could just go borrow money, throw it on the backs of another generation, have no plan, take the easy route. Or maybe we could just set up a printer back here under the baptistry in that room and print $100 bills. How about that? Well, that's ludicrous, right? It's done every day in this country. But that's unethical and immoral, foolish, childish, and actually just cowardice. Because only a coward will support the murder of innocent babies. And only a coward would throw the debts of this generation onto the, the backs of unborn babies too. See, we are going to do the right thing at this church. And we're not perfect as elders, but we're not cowards. And doing the right thing is not the easy thing. If the right thing was the easy thing then everything in this world would be right, wouldn't it? Doing the right thing in God's eyes is not popular. It's not easy. Sometimes it's painful. It's a lesson to all of us, but especially to our youth, that doing the right thing in God's eyes is not going to be popular. It's not going to be easy. But you can make a choice in this life. You're going to do what's right in man's eyes or you're going to do what's right in God's eyes. One matters, one doesn't. So this spring we met with the finance committee who I will remind you is composed of Matt Halls, Morse Hallman, Gary Abels, Randy Turner, and Cody Abels. And we got with them as the elders to come up with a plan of what we could do to cut our expenses. And we made some cuts. They didn't appear to be enough. So we cut them again. 
That's not easy to do. It affected people's lives. But we don't have a printing press here to print money. And borrowing money that you can't pay back is immoral. And we're not going to do that. So we made those cuts. And throughout the year, we spent less money. We didn't go to LTC. We didn't go to Nebraska. We didn't have Wednesday night meals. We didn't do so many things that we do. During the process of that time, we had a youth minister, David Keene, resign, as well as our family minister, Danny Snell, both of them to pursue other things in their life that they were interested in pursuing. All those things coupled together, the cuts we made, the expenditure reductions because we couldn't participate in things, and those two salary reductions have managed to put this church in a good place. I know that's not what you were thinking I was going to say. <laughs> but we're in a good place. We really are. We've, but the we, only reason we're in a good place is because we did the right thing, not the easy thing. And so we had a meeting this past Wednesday night, the elders and the deacons, I did not make the meeting. I thought I was sick, so I thought I might have the COVID disease, but come to find out I just had the wager, not 20-year-old disease anymore. So the previous day I'd been out in the weather about two or three hours trying to start a natural gas compressor and the wind and 25 degrees and pays the toll on your body as you get older. So I managed to recover, and here I am, so no fear of being around me today. But during that meeting, the... Elders and deacons, were, the question was asked, what do we do for a special contribution? Do we need to pay down our debt? Which is a side note, our debt on our building project, we also completely stopped that this spring. Luckily, we're at a place we could stop it. We stopped spending money on anything that we could possibly stop spending money on. We didn't know where we were going with this. So we have a 15-year term note on that uh, building project for $700,000 fixed at 3.5% for the next five years. We expect to pay it off in, before that interest rate changes. Our current balance is a little less than 670 principal, and we're paying on that every month. So the question was asked during that meeting, what do we do? Do we pay down our debt, or do we finish our building project? Our building project will encompass a little more work in the foyer, especially the men's bathroom, and at the back of the old auditorium, work on a room that is set up for the children back there, as well as the old cry room above the old auditorium, remodeling all of that. So the funds have previously been given for the equipment to put in that room for the children's play area. That money has been set aside previously for that. So the total is somewhere around 175000 minus all that equipment that's already been paid for. So we're, I'm guesstimating, somewhere $125,000 what we need to finish our building project. And the deacons and elders decided that that needed to be paid for with cash money. We're not going to borrow money to do that. Because during that meeting, the decision was made that when this is finally over and we get back to whatever normal looks like, we need to be ready to hit the ground running. And we need to have our project finished and ready to go. We have a committee that is currently searching for a youth minister with all the diligence that they can muster in these times that we have. And when all this comes to an end, we want to be ready to grow this church and get back to where we need to be. So in two weeks... On December 20th, we have a special contribution, and we would hope that we could raise $125,000 to complete that building project. If we can't, we will not work on it until we have the money. If we have more than that, then we will pay down on our principal on our other part of our note. And I hope you understand that we are uh, committed to be responsible with funds that have been given to us that we're supposed to be stewards of at this church. 
And we're not going to act like children with this money. We're going to act like adults. We're going to act like Christians. We're going to do the right thing with it. So our plea for that is on December 20th, we have a special contribution. We want to finish out this project if we can. So if you all consider that as we come into the end of the year, that would be appreciated. And that date is December 20th. I know I've only said it six times, but that's two weeks. If you'll bow with me, we'll have a prayer. Dear God, we come before your throne this morning acknowledging you as the creator and sustainer of this universe. And the only reason we even exist is because of you. We see so many in this world who deny you. And we know what their motive is. Their motive is they want to live their life according to their own rules. And they do not want to be told what they should do. They enjoy living in sin. And while we sin, dear God, we know that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed those sins away because truly in our heart, we always pursue doing the right thing. Even as imperfect as we are. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, for those in our church who are sick, and we pray especially for the Terrell family and the loss of Billy's brother this past week. Pray that your comfort will be upon them. And may we always always comfort each other through the difficulties of this life, which there are many. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we will always keep our sights on the goal of heaven, that we will never take our eyes off of the goal. Dear God, our our faith in this country has been challenged this year. We were told that we were going to have a two-week lockdown to finish this pandemic, and nine months later, most of the country is still locked down. A month ago, we were told that a vaccine was deadly and dangerous and now it's being promoted as the the best thing that could ever happen to anyone and we've seen videos of election counting places that were closed with boxes and boxes of ballots mysteriously reappearing out from under tables and our faith in this country has been challenged And rightly so. Because, dear God, we have to confess. We want to repent. We have placed our faith in a system designed and run by mankind, and that is a sin. Our faith needs to be in you. And you alone. The only thing that is, was, and forever will be is your word and your will. Not changing with anything posted on the internet or the latest tweet. The one constant in this world. And we confess that we've put our faith in other things and that is a sin, dear God. And we ask your forgiveness for that. Dear God, we look upon our country and we look upon our church and through our history and we've sent many, many funds overseas to preach the gospel. And that was a good thing. So many churches have done the same thing. But what we have failed to do is evangelize this country in which we live. We've failed to teach the gospel to our children, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. 
our distant relatives, and we see what that lack of investment has brought forth, and it is not good. And our challenge before us, dear God, is to evangelize this world like never before. And to seek and to save the lost. Not just make the statement, but actually do it. Every day of our life. And be committed to that as being our one goal of our whole life on this earth. And we know at that point, dear Heavenly Father that our actions will meet with your approval. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, for this church, for unity of us all, that we will strive to help each other through all the difficult times in this life, of which there are way too many, including this year that we have had. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, though, that we will find strength in your word. We will find strength in surrounding us ourselves with fellow Christians, and that we will help each other get to that final goal, and that is to spend eternity with you in heaven. Dear God, we fail you often, and for that we're truly sorry. But we're so thankful for the blood that Jesus shed on that cross so that we have the promise of eternal life in heaven with you. We say all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. To prepare our minds for the taking of the Lord's Supper, let's sing Come to the Table. Come to the Come to the table of It might seem a little unusual to you for me to get up here during the table talk and actually say, I am really excited, because normally the table talk is very serious and it's very uh, slumber for that matter. But I am, I'm really excited to be here this morning because I had sent a text message to Bill earlier this week and I said, uh, hey, if you need me, use me. The church where I'm at right now is COVID closed it down. So they're online, so you guys make sure and wave to the camera. Anyway, he said, yeah, he said, uh, how would you like to do the table talk again? I was thinking he was going to give me a prayer. And uh, I said, sure. So I started looking at that. And what was so neat about what, after praying about this, what I was able to see after I've done a thousand of these is the decision part of, of this. What, what makes it to where you have a person who persecutes the church and kills Christians, makes a 180 turnaround and becomes the greatest missionary in history? What is it about guys, 12 of them, or if you want to get technical, there's about 14, they die a martyr's death, refusing to give up their beliefs. 
And what is it about a perfect man who does nothing but heal and help people for 30 some odd years and he voluntarily goes to the cross? And we're going to say, obviously, it's love, but it's the decision to love. It's the decision. The decision to do something is the first step in anything. Christ made a decision. And if you're thinking somebody forced him to go to the cross, you're wrong. If you look in the text, nobody laid a hand on him until he allowed it. He allowed the beating. He allowed the crown of thorns to be shoved on his head. He allowed people to hit him and spit spit at him. He allowed people to mock him. He allowed them to drive the nails through his hands and his feet. That's what he allowed. Nobody made him do it. And we can prove through the scripture that God was basically looking at Christ going, anytime you want to stop this, you can. Christ looks over at Peter and says, don't you know that I can summon 12 legions of angels? They're at my disposal. So can't you see those angels right at the edge of heaven looking at the Father going, just tell us to get down there and we'll take care of this. But a decision was made. A decision was made to die. To voluntarily give up life. So that all of us could have our sins forgiven. It was a decision. And it's the same decision that we make every single day. To give our our decision-making to God in order for God to lead our lives. This morning we are partaking of this unleavened bread and fruit of the vine which represents Christ and the body and the blood that he shed for us. And if you'll do me a favor and indulge me, please partake of this with a smile knowing that your sins are forgiven let's pray dear God our father we thank you so much for today we thank you for our lives and we thank you for the body of Christ and what he did for us upon that cross Lord we pray that we would partake of this unleavened bread in a worthy manner remembering what he did for us rejoicing in our hearts It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. The blood that Christ shed on the cross takes away our sin and we're not partaking of this fruit of the vine which represents his blood in order for our sins to continually be forgiven. This is a memorial. We're remembering what Christ did for us and this is the way that scripture has told us to remember what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you so much for the blessings of life. We thank you so much for giving us this memorial to remember on the first day of the week that Christ has taken our sin away. That he has washed us white as snow, as, as if we never committed this sin to begin with. And we thank you for this. Please help us to partake of this and to remember that sacrifice and the forgiveness of sin that we have through that sacrifice. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
That concludes the Lord's Supper. And uh, right now, here in just a second, we're going to have a, uh, a prayer for the offering, which, as you guys know, we don't pass the plates anymore. Uh, two weeks ago, when I was up here, I had told you that what the money was normally being used for, it's for evangelistic purposes. It's for supporting our ministers and missionaries. And then after I said that, a couple of weeks go by, and, and I think, how, how do you, I'll just put it to you this way. A lot of times, you want to know what you're getting out of what you're giving. I am a product of this church's giving. I grew up here. My earliest memories are of this building. The funding that has been given to this church over the years, I cannot tell you how many times I was in Bible Hour with Dell and Carolyn Blackstone. I cannot tell you how many VBSs I was a part of. I cannot tell you how many work projects I was a part of. And hopefully my soft heart won't get the best of me when I say this. Um, I don't know exactly the man that I would have become without Danny and Lisa Snell. And that came from this church. I have been on more mission trips, not just... Uh, I should have wrote this out. I am so sorry. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that because of the big hearts of this particular congregation and the amount of money that has been given years after years after years, it has gone to evangelistic efforts, not, even, not just here at home, but, but overseas. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I don't know how many churches that I've preached in over the years but they've all heard your names they knew how spoiled I was growing up so yeah 2020 it's been rough and yes this church has had to make big cuts please remember where we've come from and I want all of you to know that the product that it produces I've been to seven different countries. I've had my sermons translated in five different languages. I've touched lives that I had no idea that I was touching. My training wasn't necessarily preaching school. My training was here. It was here. Think about the products that this place has produced for this year. Let's pray. To God our Father, we thank you so much for today. We, we thank you that we live in this country, although it is flawed, it is the greatest country on earth. Lord, we thank you for the giving hearts of this congregation. We thank you for those who have volunteered time and effort to focus on our young people. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing me up in a congregation full of love, full of your word, full of diligence, and helping me to become the person that you've wanted me to be. You've used all of them to mold me into who I am today. And I thank you so much for that. 
Lord, please help us and guide us, direct us in these hard times. And even when we're feeling the financial strain, help us to remember that you are in charge. You are a king, you are a lord of lords, and there's nothing that you can't do. It's in Christ's name we pray. I'd like to ask Danny and Lisa and Jordan Snell to come up to the front. Yes, Jordan, you too. <laughs> You're representing your sister and your brother. As you know, Danny announced his resignation this past August after 32 years of effective ministry here at West Irwin. We are thankful they are still here in town and members of our church family. Shannon is in Dallas, Bubba and his family are in Germany, and Jordan is here going through a doctor of pharmacology. Is that how you say that? Doctor of physical therapy, right? So close um, program, and we're very, very proud of you. So she's representing the rest of the family. But for a moment, as the scripture says, we will give honor to whom honor is due and say a brief thank you to this special family and to this special minister. Danny, throughout your years as a minister here, you have demonstrated what true servant leadership looks like. You have led us in countless ways, but especially in the many areas of ministry through which you helped us love and serve our Lord and each other, our community and our world. You served this church with integrity, sincerity, and faithfulness. But in addition to your active servant leadership in the life and ministry of this church, you and Lisa have modeled for us what a family looks like, who loves the Lord, loves each other, loves the church, and loves their neighbor. We are indebted to you all, and it is a debt that we will never be able to repay. Many of your friends and loved ones who have been a part of your lives here and have benefited from your leadership and ministry have shared those feelings with you. We offer you today a public thank you and a collection of some of those thoughts and gifts of love and appreciation. Unfortunately, 2020 has taken away a better demonstration of all that. But perhaps this is as it should be. Your ministry and service here has never been about accolades or who gets the credit, but of quiet, sacrificial service and a willingness to do whatever would help someone else. So we say thank you for all the years that you have all given for us, for the lives you lived out in front of us every single day, lives that demonstrated what faithful service to the Lord and his world looks like. You have our deepest love and gratitude. We love and appreciate and admire you. And we are better because of your ministry and friendship as part of our West Irwin Church. And ministry. We thank God for you and we pray his greatest blessings on you always. You can take that with you. something crazy here. Lisa, could y'all please come back up here for just a moment? Brother, would you please stand? Those are children need to be dismissed to the blast. And Danny, I'm going to ask you and your family to stand right here in the center. And I know you're going to join with us, but I like for, we can't hug this man. So I want to bathe him in song. Let's all sing together to God praise and to this family, our love. Let's sing together, uh, love one another.
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I believe in hope for today, and I believe in living that way. Even in the midst of 2020, I believe in hope for today, and I believe in living that way. Next week, we'll be focusing on hope for tomorrow, our hope of heaven. Today, our hope for today Hope that shines through in how we live our lives. Living lives with faith, not fear. We shared about that in our Bible class this morning in the Family Life Center. Living by faith and not by fear. And so a few things from the book of Romans today as we think about hope for today. I'll be sharing from the book of Romans starting in January and I'm really excited about that coming up in 2020. I believe in hope for today and living that way. Here's what that looks like. Hope enables us to wait. Hope enables us to wait. In that great chapter of Romans chapter 8, if we've said recently, Scripture talks about the hope that we have that enables us to wait. In verse 24, in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And that passage goes on and says, Great, great things such as we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose in verse 28. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 35 and following, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hope enables us to wait. Secondly, this morning, hope empowers us to endure. In Romans chapter 5, the contrast is made between Adam and sin and Christ and life. And it begins this way in Romans 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what he has talked about for four chapters and will for several more. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, the difficulties and trials and tribulations that come our way in this world because of the nature of this world, they don't take away our hope. They actually help us to become more and more hope-filled. These things work to produce in us biblical hope. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Affliction doesn't take away our hope, and it doesn't take away our joy. Hope empowers us to endure. We are able to endure. We are able to be joyful in hope. And we see that especially through the word of God. Hope enables us to wait. Hope empowers us to endure. And thirdly, hope comes through the scriptures. Hope comes through the scriptures. In Romans 15, verses 1 through 5, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. That's one of the differences between God's people and those who don't know God. God's people are more inclined to think of neighbor before self. God's people are more inclined to give up their rights rather than to demand their rights. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Just as Jay shared as we gathered around the table, Jesus decided. He made a decision, a conscientious, deliberate decision to come to this earth, to live the life as a human being, even though he was the son of God, to live the life of a servant and to give up that life on the cross, unjustly accused and being put to death by uh, crucifixion. The insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. Paul quotes from the Old Testament. For everything, verse 4, that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Hope comes through the scriptures and the scriptures give us that hope by giving us encouragement and endurance. And so verse 5 of Romans 15, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Hope comes through the scriptures. We receive encouragement and endurance and hope from God's word, the Bible. If we leave God's word, the Bible, out of our lives, it's little wonder that we find ourselves More fearful than faithful. More sorrowful than joyful. More hopeless 
than hopeful. Scripture gives us endurance and encouragement and hope. Why? Because that is Jesus' story. It is his story that is our hope. Our hope comes from the blood that was shed on the cross, just as Wade shared during our shepherd's prayer time today. It is only through that blood. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. As Wade shared, one of the things that we've learned in 2020 in our class discussed that this morning is that our hope and our trust and our faith must firmly be in God and in nothing else. If your faith is on who occupies the White House over the next four years, that is not enough. That is not enough. That is not a faith. That is not a hope that is centered in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only King of Kings. He is the only one who is our And so we recognize that however 2020 ends up and however 2021 goes, Jesus will still be our hope. It is his story. It is his blood that saves us from our sins, just as Wade shared in his prayer. It is only the blood of Christ that gives us that. But the good news of the gospel is this. The blood of Christ gives us that. His story is our hope. So I was interested to read this week from the YouVersion Bible app. Their uh, 2020 uh, most searched and read verse of the year. During the hardest moments of a particularly difficult year, they write, Bible searches soared online and a record number of people turned to scripture for passages addressing fear, healing, and justice. The popular YouVersion Bible app saw searches increase by 80% in 2020, totaling nearly 600 million worldwide. So you see, there is a silver lining in the life of 2020. It drove people to their knees. It drove people to the word of God. So what is that verse, the most searched, most read most bookmarked verse on the YouVersion Bible app. It is Isaiah 41, verse 10. And it says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Through every hardship, The YouVersion founder writes, People continue to seek God and turn to the Bible for strength, for peace, and for hope. And so 2020's most read Bible verse, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Hope enables us to wait. Hope empowers us to endure. Hope comes through the scriptures. And so hope is what allows us to continue. And not just continue, to thrive. We overflow with hope. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say, so that you may overflow with hope if you're having a good year. (laughs) So you may overflow with hope, unless, of course, it's 2020. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, just as Jay shared about Jesus making a conscious, deliberate decision to give his life for us, we make a conscious, deliberate decision to live lives of hope. 
It's not based on the outward circumstances, although we don't deny the difficulties of those circumstances. We acknowledge them, we deal with them, we cry, we mourn, we hurt. We do all of those things, but underneath it all, there is a foundation of hope that none of those circumstances can take away. Because we have decided that through Jesus Christ, we overflow with hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, if our church family can help you overflow with hope, we're here for each other. Come as we stand, sing our song together. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh, haste to its spring. Tis the fountain for this time that we have to come together today to learn more about you and study your word. Uh, please use what we've heard here today to guide us throughout this week and the rest of our lives. Please bless us as we go on about our way, and it's in your name I pray. Amen.